Good evening, everybody. It is Monday, the twenty-first of June here in Singapore, and welcome to another episode of Bill Invest. Happenings、um, in the financial markets. Firstly, turn to cryptocurrency. Just two weeks back, El Salvador, which is a country, actually seeked to adopt Bitcoin as a legal tender. So legal tender means it's a recognized form of currency within the country itself. So this news actually spiked Bitcoin up to forty thousand, you know, reached the forty thousand mark from about thirty plus thousand. However, just over the weekend, Bitcoin faced some negative news. China actually banned an additional province of cryptocurrency mining, which means that you know they are not allowed to operate. Any mining centers in this province,、uh, which is Sichuan, so that actually caused the prices of Bitcoin to plunge all the way back down to thirty thousand levels, hovering around this price. So hopefully we'll see prices stay above this price. Whereas Ethereum, which is the second largest、um, coin in terms of market capitalization. It dipped below two thousand. I'm glad it found its support at two thousand and managed to climb back up above two thousand, but still、um, rather risky levels, I would say. Because、um, these are what we call psychological levels: two thousand, three thousand, thirty thousand. Because in the financial world, you know, we have key levels for be it stocks or commodities like gold, oil, and cryptocurrency. So key levels can exist in different forms. So firstly is The technical analysis key levels: what is a support level, what is the resistance level. These support and resistance levels are counter-specific. So, be if you trade gold, they have their own support and resistance level.、Um, you trade Tesla or Apple. Each counter, each stock, each asset class has its own support and resistance levels. These levels are obtained through Charting. So you bring up a chart of, for example, Tesla, and then you see it just refuses to go past, for example, nine hundred, or maybe nine hundred and ten. Every time it hits nine hundred and ten, and then it drops back down. It tries to go up again nine hundred and ten, but no, it couldn't. It falls back. So this is what you call the resistance level, by which it is something that can't be penetrated. Hence the term resistance level. And support level, for example, every time it falls to six hundred, and then it will just bounce back up. Every time it falls back to six hundred again, and then it will bounce back up. So you know that there is a strong support level, by which every time it hits six hundred dollars, it would bounce back up. So this is what I mean by support and resistance levels. However, these terms will also change based on the time frame that you select for the charts. So maybe based on a four-hour charting, you will see that the support and resistance levels differ from a day-to-day -day chart. It depends on your horizon. You know how long are you looking at in terms of、um, investing or trading? In terms of whether you like to invest into this stock long term, or is it just a swing trade, or is it a day trade? Swing trade means that you are looking to buy and sell the stock. Within a few days to a few weeks, whereas day trade, you're mainly looking at entering and exiting the stock within the same day. 
So usually the shorter the period that you are in the market, the smaller the time frame you look at in terms of charting. So perhaps like day trade, some people look at 3 minute, 5 minute chart. Uh, whereas swing trading, they may look at a longer time frame, like about 4 hours. So it really depends. So this is what you mean by uh, support and resistance levels, which is also a key level for each trading instrument. So that's in summary what's happening in the crypto scene. Now on to the stock market. So Friday we had seen a plunge of, I wouldn't call it a plunge, but a small dip of Dow Jones. Dow Jones is similar to uh, Straits Times Index, which holds 30 companies within the United States. All are very prominent companies. You know, you have the likes of Coca-Cola, Apple, and 28 more others, which I'm not going to name up here. We saw Dow Jones uh, dipping last Friday simply because although Fed says that they are not going to rise the interest rates as of now, but there were still repercussions and kind of spook following the comments of Jim Bullard, who is the president and CEO of the Fed of St. Louis. So it's basically a um, city in the United States who is also part of the Fed team and he mentioned that he sees the first interest rate hike coming as soon as 2022, which is just next year. I think that really kind of spooked the markets a little bit due to the reasons which I mentioned in the last episode and the episode before as well, when inflation and interest rates hike, well, what would happen? Hence, we saw Dow Jones dip slightly on Friday. But however, today looks like it's good news for Dow Jones. It's climbing back up currently up 400 points as we speak uh, however same couldn't be said for Nasdaq so Nasdaq is similar to Dow Jones in the sense that it is filled with stocks as well it is something like an index however Nasdaq is filled with all the tech stocks so if you have likes of Tesla, Apple, Amazon all these are all housed under Nasdaq we see Nasdaq dipping a bit today so clearly you can see there's a transfer of funds from Nasdaq to Dow Jones. Hence you see an inverse relationship. See in such situations it is important to diversify your portfolio. Have a portion of your money in stocks that are in the Dow Jones and have a portion of your money in tech stocks as well in Nasdaq. So that you know if Nasdaq hits up, Dow Jones probably won't rise as much or it may go in the opposite direction. Thus, it is always important to diversify your portfolio. So on the topic of FEDs, in the last episode, I mentioned two terms that are correlated to the actions of FEDs. So number one, quantitative easing, and number two, tapering. So I'll start with quantitative easing, or QE in short. QE actually happens when the FED wants to bring the interest rates down. So when interest rates are really high, at like 4-5%, and everyone is putting their money in banks. So interest rates has both borrowing rates and there is the bank saving interest rates. So when these two rates are high, no one wants to spend, right? Because everyone will just put their money in uh, into the bank and no one wants to borrow money as well because interest rates are just that high. What does the Fed do? The Fed will step in with quantitative easing 
So through this QE, they have quite a few levers that they can play with. Firstly, they will buy government bonds. So essentially, it's a bit like a left pocket to right pocket kind of thing. Like when Fed buys bonds from a hedge fund or pension fund, this action would lower the interest rates or yields on these bonds. So in turn, this will actually push down the interest rates offered on loans and therefore it will bring down the general interest rates of the economy. It is a cycle and it just works this way. I don't want to go too detailed in the specifics but this is how quantitative easing works. So this phenomenon is also known as printing of money. If you may read that in newspapers, because simply the Fed will actually print money to buy to buy back the government bonds and to buy uh, private securities or even provide direct loans or funding of banks so as to increase the entire economic activity you know, more trading, more demand supply, more, more loans being borrowed, etc. So tapering on the other hand just means the flip side of quantitative easing. Tapering is simply the slowing of the quantitative easing which means that the Fed would buy back at a slower rate and just slowly lift off the hands from the market and just let the market um, cycle on its own. So this usually happens when interest rates are falling too much and there's just too much of a supply of US dollars circulating in within the economy in the whole stock market but these monies do not eventually reach the average American right? because simply they, they, yeah, they do trade and all but not everyone will be, will be able to get a part of this money and hence their purchasing power would decrease due to the increased supply of US dollars and that will lead to inflation. So when all these telltale signs are happening, the Fed would then apply tapering onto the quantitative easing so as to slow down this inflation rate or even to bring down this inflation rate. So it's always a cycle and it's always when to press the start and stop button for each of these levers. Alright, hope you guys learned something new today. As always, I read so you don't have to. I'll catch you next time.